Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome, everybody. Happy Sunday. Yeah, so, yeah, today I want to chat a little bit about uh, the, the determination to be free. So this is from a text uh, from Lama Samkhapa. And I'll just kind of put this, this text in here to everyone real quick. So Lama Samkhapa, who of course is this amazing uh, Tibetan uh, Buddhist teacher and practitioner and the founder of uh, the Gelug tradition. Uh, he wrote a text called The Three Principles of the Path to Enlightenment. And those three principles, I'll add them right here. Let me get my spelling right. The three principles of the path to enlightenment are the determination to be free, altruism, and perfect view and perfect view um, in this sense was just he's pointing towards the realization of of emptiness um, so this is what he was going you know, consider the three major um, aspects um, of the path yeah so i thought we we start off by just chatting today about the, the first one the de determination to be free and I really, I like the, I like the word determination. You know, this is, uh, it's kind of important. I think there's a desire to be free and then determination to be free. And maybe first starting out by free of what, you know, talking about free of what are we attempting to be free from? Uh, this might be obvious, but, you know, really just really basic level, free from suffering. Um, just want to check in because people are kind of freezing on me. Can you hear me okay? Or am I freezing on you? I wonder, I'm just curious about my connection. Okay. The connection is good? Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah, if not, People could just put in a chat box or something like that. Um, okay, Sue said you're fine. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so so free from suffering. Uh, this is what we're looking to to be free from. And so, you know, in this text, I'll kind of put this little piece. It's a short text, by the way. Lama Sankapa is known to write these really long, elaborate texts. Um, this text is actually really short, it's just a couple pages. Um, and so he's talking about, you know, how, how do we accomplish this determination to be free? And I'll just kind of read this and then we, we can unpack it a little bit. Leisure and opportunity are hard to get and life has no time to spare. By gaining familiarity with this, Attraction to the appearances of this life is reversed. 
By thinking over and over again that actions and their effects are definite, and repeatedly contemplating the miseries <laughs> of cyclic existence, attraction to the appearances of future lives is reversed. So th this is a very common you know, contemplation when, when we're looking for motivation in the practice. One, to recognize that you know, this first line, leisure and opportunity are hard to get. So what he's pointing to there is that you're lucky if you have the causes and conditions for, for practice, right? So that's what we kind of started off with in today's meditation, just that quick contemplation of, wow, I'm lucky to be able to be doing this. And life has no time to spare. So it, it can end at any time. So it's creating that spiritual urgency. Like I have a good fortune here. Like I should practice. I should practice now. And the second piece of, of the writing is contemplating the defects of samsara. And again, this is, this is very common. Um, but I want to unpack this a little bit because, you know, just to kind of draw out, you know, does this really work? Does this really work contemplating the defects of samsara? And does this lead us to determination? for freedom, to really be determined. And, you know, I think in, in one way, when we're suffering, obviously this is, this works really well. Um, well, I, maybe this works, you know, without contemplation when we're suffering. When we're suffering, of course, we want to be relieved from suffering. So uh, practice is, is easy in that way. But, um, but I think another way to look at it is the reason we don't have a determination, we don't have innate determination uh, to become liberated is because all we know is samsara. And so in other words, it's the negation of what we're looking for is at the beginning, the end of the text, you know, about the attraction to the appearances of future lives. He's saying, the, the attraction to the appearances of samsara. You know, we're addicted to the things that are, arise in samsara, and we have desire for this. Well, we have desire for this and not nirvana is because samsara is what we know. And I think this is really a very core aspect to contemplate, is that this is what we know. And do we know of something better than this? better than the fantasies of this, better than um, the things that we find, you know, beneficial here, uh, better than love and connections and maybe mundane things like food and, and things like this, the pleasures of samsara. Uh, we gravitate towards them because this is what we know. Obviously, when they turn against us, you know, when, when those desires turn against us, we kind of see the fault in them and we say, oh, you know, maybe I was wrong in pursuing this with all my might. You know, maybe there's something else, right? But what happens is if we just use, if we just use this kind of form of training, when things are going good, 
then we don't practice. So it only kind of works when we're really faced with challenges. Uh, so I bring this up because it, in my humble opinion, in, in the actual fruition of this, to actually have determination, like to really be determined for freedom, it takes freedom to do that. I think little tastes of freedom. You know, I think in a way only, only freedom can lead us to freedom. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, so, so what we have to do is, you know, build these contemplations up. They're, they're wonderful, the contemplations of the defects of samsara. As long as they are coupled with actual practice. I think we have to combine the two. We have to taste a little bit of freedom as we contemplate the defects of samsara or it doesn't stick. You know, it's this age-old problem of, of keeping everything in the mind. And, and other traditions and, and some aspects of the Buddhist tradition too, you know, contemplate the benefits, right, of liberation. So contemplating the benefits of liberation, contemplating the defects of samsara. You know, both of these things that we could do. But again, it stays in the mental realm. It stays in the conceptual realm. We don't actually get to taste it if we're just contemplating. But if we're to taste freedom, even, even this, this idea of being determined for, uh, you know, to be liberated kind of goes out the window because it's an obvious it's not even a choice. It's just an obvious way of being. Like, I'm, why would I leave tranquility for something else? Right? I remember this story of Ramana, you know, the great Indian saint Ramana. He became very ill and he went to go see, uh, you know, the the spiritual doctor, he's a doctor, but as a medicine man. And the medicine, the medicine man said to Ramana, Ramana, you're an enlightened being. You're very powerful. I think you could heal your heal yourself. You know, if you wanted to. Then Ramana said, Why would I take my mind off of God for a single moment? Like, why would I do that? Why would I take my mind off of God for a single moment? So why would I leave this freedom for a single moment, like just to heal a body, right? So I think this abiding in these little tastes of freedom longer and longer can really cut, you know, the, this root of this attachment to appearances. So, speaking a bit about obstacles of doing this, maybe contemplating for a couple moments some, some obstacles 
Um, you know, I think a lot, a lot of these things, these are just kind of wrote down, just kind of obvious. Um, for one is busyness. I know we, we talked, I feel like I just talked about this before in a, in a recent talk. Um, busyness. Busyness is akin to un, just being unmindful. You know, we're so busy, uh, you know, obviously thinking that we're going to, to get something outside of ourselves or, or whatnot. But just as overall busyness, I can't stress this enough, that this kind of mundane busyness kind of just, you know, it creates this um, this idea that we have time, you know, that we don't have to, we don't know how much time we have we have to uh kind of prioritize this uh and not so be so busy with that to-do list that just goes on and on and on and, and i see it within myself I, I wake up and you know my meditation to-do list is you know that big and my mundane to-do list is is infinite right um so this idea of of being busy and whatever's on that list is going to get us something just and of course we're going to have to do those mundane things of course but just to take a look at this are we too busy for our practice and then i think an, a big obstacle is unforeseen sufferings like an obstacle is unseen not unforeseen but unseen like the subtleties the subtleties of of suffering just kind of re like it doesn't take this this contemplation and really big sufferings it just takes the mindfulness of ev everyday moments of striving of unsatisfactoriness if we take a moment for example just to see the uh, the the different aspects of our realities if we have sat in meditation and found a moment of peace if we have found a moment of tranquility, a moment of ease, a moment of, of clarity, of, of maybe even joy, you know, these, these, these moments that really brighten our existence. If we really pay attention to that and we pay attention to these other mundane moments of grasping, of, of wanting, of ignorance, of just kind of being just in delusion. Uh, there's a profound difference in in these two in these two uh, experiences. It's a profound difference, and yet somehow we don't have the love and compassion for ourselves to want to exist in in one and not the other. It's an interesting it's an interesting thing that we do even though we know where to find it uh, we know how to abide in it you know most of us have gotten to the point of tasting this we know that it's there we know that it's available but it's like an unseen suffering we're not we're not really able to see uh, I don't know the, the power of it you know and so, therefore, we don't have that determination to overthrow it. It's, it's like there's nothing to overthrow. Like, oh, I'm okay. Like, in this moment, I'm okay. 
it's kind of like we've settled. <laughs> like we settled for just, you know, mildly not suffering <laughs> or not suffering in a very grandiose way. We've kind of settled for that. And it goes without saying that settling for this means that we have, we're inept. We have not developed the skills that we are inept to deal with larger sufferings when they come. You know, it's because we can't see these smaller sufferings. And our inability to even have the desire to overthrow them, let alone overthrow them. That we cannot be with the larger ones. And again, so we're taking that type of contemplation along with something that I think is, is, is more impactful, which is abiding in that free state. More and more, a few seconds at a time, minutes, you know. Why would we leave, like Ramana said, why would we leave once we, if, we're, if we're abiding in freedom? You know, it's kind of like if we're hanging, if we have, a, you know, we're in our home and it's peaceful and it's serene and then somebody invites us to a party or something. They say it's a party, but it's, but you know in your mind it might get crazy, you know, like a wild crazy party or something. Um, and, you're, and you're like, oh, why would I leave my house? You know, maybe this is me getting old, you know. Like, <laughs> why do I want to leave my house? I'm, I'm, I'm at ease here. Why would I leave this? You know, I, I think that this is the determination to be free. You know, really, it's not a shouldn't shouldn't it be a, a hard decision. You know, should it shouldn't be. You know, it should be very easy. Like, hey, this is this is the, this is what I see over here. When when I'm full of desire and attachment, and hatred and ignorance. And this is what it's like when I'm abiding. You know, in in the free state. So I, I think it's like anything, you know, freedom allows us, you know, to be free. The same thing as meditation, the same thing as the practice, you know, all the time. You know, I hear and I've heard myself say it a bunch of times, you know, over and over and over again, like I want to meditate more, this and that. And we all know it's true. Wanting to meditate more, wanting to practice more has nothing to do with wanting to practice more. The only way to practice more is to practice, <laughs> right? Meditating more comes with just, just meditate. That's it, you know? Want to meditate more? Meditate. Meditate a little bit, that leads to, you know, more and more, right? Let me see if I have another obstacle. Uh, this is kind of an obvious one, but I'll just say it. Just lack of focus. Lack of focus. So many options. You know, that's why it's so beautiful for us to come together today. You know, just in this in this moment, there's 22 people. There's 22 people on this call right now. Out of all the options that we had, we focused on our practice. 
There's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot that goes into preparing for practice, to having the focus, you know, to having our meditations written down of what we're going to do um, this week. What are we focusing on right now? What types of things are keeping our practice top of mind? You know, going back to that busyness, going back to the to-do list. How many, how many data points are we going to be in contact with today? How many, how many of them are dharmified? Right? We have to prioritize, we have to focus. So maybe we'll go ahead and, and go into, uh, into groups, to smaller groups, and maybe connect with one another and chat about things that inspire you for your practice. On that one hand, of things that expi- uh, inspire you for de- to have that determination to be free experientially or, or otherwise, or just parts of the teachings. And then also some of the defects that inspire you too. The, the things that um, really inspire your practice that are maybe on the suffering end of things. Like, I don't like this, so, you know, this really inspires me to practice. You know, or those little tastes of freedom that inspire you to practice. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Um, Yeah. Anyone want to share what came up for them in the smaller group with the larger group? Oh, getting a few more people back. Welcome, welcome. (laughs) Yeah. Anyone want to share what came up for them? with the rest of us. Yeah, uh, thank you for your talk. Um, One thing that I noticed, you know, I've meditated a long time, but as time's gone on, my meditations become much more regular. And I started just making meditation a priority. Um, And it just helps to sit first thing in the morning before the phone starts ringing and the problems start occurring. And then, you know, you got to go to bed at night. It's great to sit and meditate before you go to sleep at night. Um, So just kind of bookending, you know, my life, I've noticed that that has steadied my practice to a large degree. Um, Wonderful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I was just saying that this is a great reminder, because I've been thinking a lot lately about needing to meditate and sit more (laughs) and how unhelpful thinking about that is compared to actually doing it so uh you know i've gone back to graduate school which is a new big preoccupation and demand on time and so you know that's it's it's interrupted my it's interrupted my normal my normal time of just sort of getting up and sitting because a lot of my colleagues are on the East Coast, so I have to meet them early in the morning, which is just studying, you know, it's not the same thing as practicing. So thank you for the reminder. For sure. Thank you. And congratulations on that. 
condolences are more appropriate. <laughs> Congratulate me in, 18, in about 20 months when I'm done. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Will do. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with reminders. Stop thinking about doing it more and just doing it more. Um, but I, um, I also wanted to point to some of the sort of larger sort of rhythm of life things that we sort of live in and take for granted. Like um, I went on the four day retreat that Casey and Wendy did right before the pandemic hit. It was like February of 2020. And at the time um, my kids were like three and just turned one. And I was really excited to take just four days to go on retreat and my, but I needed some help logistically, you know, to do that. And so I was talking to my in-laws, they don't meditate and we don't talk a lot about meditation. And they just said, why would you do this right now? Like you have young children now is not the time to do this. And I, I thought I could, I see their point of view, but there's these expectations upon me and upon all of us that like there's these phases of life and these are when you do this and that's when you do that mm -hmm. and you don't get out of line with the sort of timeline and we all live in it and sometimes are you know um it can be hard sometimes to step back and i see it for for what it is and but that too living in that living with those expectations and being unaware of them i think can be an obstacle as well you know um and I, so I was reminded of that this morning, how, how very odd in a timeline of life it seemed to other people for me to go on a four-day retreat at, at that moment. Mm -hmm. And man, would I just, I'd just kill to go back, wouldn't I? <laughs> 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 I'd love to go again. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, thanks. Thank you. It's a great, great insight. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you just did the you just did the thumbs up. Okay, cool. Not the hands up. <laughs> giving a thumbs up to Kate and hope the baby is going. The new one is on the way, huh? It's doing well. Yeah, great. Mm. Great to see you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, timeline is a big one. Yeah, that's what she said. I did on that. Yeah. Cool. But since I'm on, I'll just uh, mention something since you were talking about, uh, uh, it's, it was very interesting about like, it takes freedom to, you know, just uh, see that and go and brought to my mind was Khalil Gibran's quote. He says, once I got a little taste of freedom, then I was hooked. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the yeah opening of his, one of his chapters on his books. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Beautiful talk case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh -huh. Thank that's that, that's the thing in there. You gotta finally we gotta put the ass in the cushion and make it a habit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anyone else? Yeah, I've I've noticed that um, there's there's subtle suffering and there's gross suffering, and you know it, it just seems like uh, mindfulness makes you more aware of the subtle suffering, uh, the thoughts that, you know, you become attached to and ruminate about, um, or the worries about, about the future. 
that you hold on to. Um, so it just seems like in this, in, on this path, you start out with gross suffering and then you become even more aware of subtle suffering. And then periods when you're not suffering, when you're letting everything go um, and your mind becomes more and more empty. Uh, even as you walk around, it's almost like you're still meditating um, because you're much more uh, kind of in the audience watching things arise and pass away as opposed to um, being so attached to them that, that uh, you know, your anger is 100% is of your consciousness or your, your whatever you're working on is 100% of your consciousness. So you, you kind of shift, you know, from that 100% to, to uh, being aware and watching it. And it, it's a, a very interesting, uh, you know, I love this path. Mm-hmm. And as, as uh, Zen master Sion Song uh, says, just do it. And as Zen mm-hmm. master Hung Po says, it's important because you never know if you live long enough to take another breath. So mm. I think uh, that helps to motivate me as well. Thank you. Yeah, and, and yeah, I love that. Like you mentioned the subtleties of suffering and I think mindfulness brings that to our attention. And then, you know, like I was mentioning in the talk that the clarity of mind brings that to our attention when we see what can be available, like you mentioned about like the emptiness of, of, of thoughts and whatnot, but just those places that we could find, when we find those places of clarity, then we could see delusion and it makes the delusion very pronounced. Like, oh, wow, I don't wanna go back there, <laughs> you know? So yeah, they just work together. Thank you. I'm just appreciating the opportunity to meet with the four people that uh, our group of four people. And mm-hmm. uh, we, the, I feel like it was very beneficial to hear everybody's perspective and um you know one of the things i was i got to be in a group with ann and she mentioned sangha as one of her motivators and um, it was sweet to be in that little group and be in this group as well in that way um say uh, sometimes we need reminders and we don't know but they come up in situations so um Guess that's you know the this the wabi sabi the unexpected that comes in sangha situations. Those are mm. welcome. Thank you. Yeah, we're so lucky. All right, maybe we'll just sit for the last five minutes and. Uh, do a little dedication of the merit at the end. Get a little excuse to sit one more time. <laughs> Just moving into your posture. Yeah, like Rick was just talking about, just how lucky we are to sit with Sangha. As Buddha said, the Sangha is the entirety of your practice. So fortunate, so lucky.
is resting in gratitude. And then allowing this gratitude to expand into the second principle that Lama Tsongkhapa eventually goes over in his text, which is altruism. It's a core piece of awakening. Maybe just mentally, emotionally connecting with others that are not as fortunate as we are this morning. That don't have the causes and conditions set in place to reflect and meditate on liberation. brothers and sisters, communities, neighborhoods, our worldwide family. It's developing the sincere wish that all of them, not just myself, but all beings everywhere, they're all free, greed, hatred, and delusions. of all sufferings of all kinds. Wishing that all beings everywhere are happy and at ease mentally, physically, emotionally and spiritually. With an open and sincere heart. Wishing all beings to be free. you all so very much. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.